0: You're listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray the message will encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now, let's tune in. Good morning, church. Well, have we had a good time already or what? I just got about two hours of teaching for you and I'm going to let you go home. I actually have an abbreviated message for you today because I knew we were going to take our time with our littles, and man, I just enjoyed that so much. I was over getting teary-eyed because, man, when you you can do something for me, but boy, when you bless my kids, that's a whole different issue. I love it. I love it. I love it. Be patient with me today. I'm preaching from an iPad for the first time, and uh, we did okay first service, so maybe we'll experience the same grace second service. Uh, man, it is good to be home. Africa is fun ministering there, um, preaching there and men's conferences and women's conferences and just doing the whole thing. It's great, but man, there's no place like home. I tried clicking my heels three times about twice a day to come home. Didn't work. So I had to fly back one plane ride, 17 and a half hours. Ooh, is right. Man, you talk about, and I don't fit in the seats very well. It was a long ride home, kids. It was a long ride home, but I'm happy to be here. Man, I'm so excited about baptisms today. We've got 15 people being baptized today. Is that exciting? Man, that is wonderful. It's gonna be a great time. Listen, if you just wanna come down, hang out at the beach with us today, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, We're we're just gonna have a good time. I I, I told Wendy when we were first uh, launching, I said, you know, if if we do anything, let's just have a good time doing this. Let's have a good time at church. I believe that uh, the things of the Lord are, are, are blessings and that we should have a good time doing it. So come down to the beach today and, uh, and celebrate with us. We're going to see 15 people, man, make a public proclamation of their faith. And uh, boy, you just can't go wrong with that. I'm also starting a new series today called No Offense. No Offense. I do want to warn you that I, I'm going to dive into this and not that I ever do, but I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to be politically correct. Uh, I may say some things that step on your toes a little bit, uh, but you know what? Uh, I believe that if we uh, stay focused on the, the, the main uh, thing, which is Jesus, we'll get through this, we'll survive it, and you might even like me at the end of it, amen. So we're going to dig in today. Um, the No Offense series came to me because I was in prayer uh, several weeks back, and it seemed like everywhere I looked, people were offended. I mean, people were chapped everywhere I look. I mean, people were upset because people were fishing. You know, you you catch too many of these fish, you're going to ruin the ocean, right? And then there were people that were upset because they couldn't fish. And I was like, well, won't they just get together and like agree on a number and catch that amount of fish? Well, then there were people who were upset because uh, I voted... Uh, one way and they were upset because they voted a different way. And they, there are people who were offended because uh, somebody got vaccinated and some people were offended because they didn't get vaccinated. And It just seemed like everywhere I looked, man, people were all just, their, their hackles were up and they were just offended all the time. And I said, Lord, surely that's not your plan for your people. Surely that's not your purpose for the end days. It's for your church to be so locked up in a fence that they're not even usable. And then it dawned on me, that's exactly what the enemy's plan is, to keep us so buried in offense that God can't use us, to keep us so compartmentalized by what we think and feel and believe and that we're not effective for his kingdom. But I want to tell you something today. God does not want offense to keep us from being effective. And so we're going to go to God's Word over the next three or four weeks, and we're just going to see what Scripture has to say about being offended and whether or not it's for God's people or not. Uh, I've entitled this sermon, Stop the Insanity. Stop the Insanity. Um, I encourage you to be careful what you watch on TV. Uh, But I will also encourage you, as a homework project today, if you have a news station you pick a new station it's irrelevant just pick a news station Uh, turn it on and watch how fast you find someone who's offended i would be willing to bet a chocolate chip cookie because i know i'll win that you will see somebody offended in the first 30 seconds i mean there'll be somebody who has completely been out of shape in the first 30 seconds and you say well what are they gonna be offended about that's irrelevant they're just offended And here's what's funny. If you were to fix what they were offended about, they'd find another offense. They'd find something else to be irritated about. They'd find something else to be upset about. They'd find something else to be on attack about. And it used to be that an offense was something we learned to let go. Now it's something we build our homes on. And I just don't see it in God's word. And so we're going to take a deep look at this. Uh, Today, I want to just really break down one verse for you. Uh, and it, I have two verses, but the first one we're going to break down, James chapter 1, verse 19, and we're going to read verse 20. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Let's read it. says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, look at your neighbor and say, every man, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me rephrase that. Your being offended does not produce righteousness. Your anger about a certain situation does not create righteousness. Anger does not equate to righteousness. Get that in your head. A lot of people think there is a uh, we can get angry about something and indignant about something. The truth is, is that our job is to love people, not get angry about issues. And I think as the church, we've got to be very, very careful because there's a fine balance that we walk. Uh, can we love people and hate sin? Yes. But our society has bought a lie that if I disagree with you in any way, I hate you. And it's just not the truth. I can love you as a person and completely disagree with your lifestyle, but I can still desire good for you. And it's imperative that we look at this verse because this verse will teach us how to posture our hearts toward one another in order for us uh, to step through offense and into friendship. Uh, so uh, let, let's take a deep look at this verse. First it says, to be swift to hear. That means we have to listen to people. Proverbs 18:13 says, to answer before listening, it's folly and shame. How many times have you been in a conversation with somebody and you can tell they're not listening, they're just formulating a rebuttal? Have you ever dealt with that? Have you ever, don't look at your spouse, that's a bad situation, don't do that, don't do that. I see too many heads turning, mm no. Um, here's what's interesting, is that if we truly listen, we aren't formulating a response, we're listening to have understanding. When we listen to other people, it lets them know two things, number one, that we care, and number two, that we're a place they can trust to listen. Do you have people in your life that you really can trust to listen? Not just hear, but listen. So I'll tell you a story. When Gabe was probably two, almost three years old, he went to Southwest Christian Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, and one day I picked him up from school. And as parents know, every day you pick your kid up from school, they're happy you're there. They've got a million stories to tell you. And uh, Gabe, when he was two or three, he had a real deep voice and he couldn't do his awes. So he'd say, Dad, I drew you a picture today, right? And I was so excited because every time I pick him up, he had another piece of artwork or he did another little thing or I mean, he was precious. He's always been my buddy, still are. And we, we've always had this really cool relationship. Even when he was like 18 months, he would sit in my lap and watch football like a G. I mean, he just wouldn't make any noise, wouldn't cry. Just cool, man. It's like, hey, this is awesome, you know? Uh, if all of our kids were like Gabe, we'd probably have like 15 of them. He's just so <laughs> chill, right? Well. Gabe gets in the car and I put on his, uh, uh, his car seat thing, you know, the, the, the science project they call the buckle. And, um, and he looks at me and he goes, Dad does something in my shoe. I said, okay, buddy, we'll check it out, you know, one ear and out the other. How many parents have been guilty of that, in one ear, out the other, right? Oh, okay, okay, here, just be quiet while I drive. Don't cause a car wreck, you know. Um, well, I get in the car and I'm driving and he's telling me about his day I went down to Swide today. I drew you a picture today. He's telling me about all these things. And then every once in a while, he'll say, there's something in my shoe. And I was like, okay, buddy, we'll check when we get home. You know, and, it's, and he goes through and now. He's telling me about what he had for lunch. He's telling me what he had. He ate all of his grapes. He's telling me about all the different things that he had. And then again, he'd say, there's something in my shoe. And so finally, he had said it so many times that I pulled off the side of the road and I opened the back seat and I pulled his shoe off and there's a red wasp about this big in his shoe. It's still alive. And it did not sting him, which is a miracle. But I remember taking his shoe off and this thing goes, and comes blowing out. A huge red wasp freaked me out so bad. I was like, get back in the shoe, get back in the shoe. I completely freaked out because Red Wasp, if you've ever been stung by one, that hurts. That's significant pain. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I was so just like caught up in the noise of my son speaking that I didn't hear what could have hurt him. Well, can I tell you that we all have been there? Maybe not with a son, maybe not with a daughter, maybe not with a child, maybe with a friend, maybe with a coworker. If you will listen, that's why this scripture is so important to be quick to listen because if we listen long enough, people will tell us what scares them. People will tell you what they're afraid of. People will tell you what offends them. But if you take that like a champ and you get to know them better, you'll find out the real why behind the what. You'll find out that behind every anger truly is a fear. And once you find that fear, you can give them scripture to remind them that there's a God that doesn't want them to be afraid. There's a God that loves them. But if we are all the time in one ear and out the other, people can read that. They can see when we're listening and when we're not. And I'm guilty of doing that because you get so busy, man. I'm not up I'm not here saying I'm better than anybody else, but it's very easy to do in our society today that our schedule keeps us so strung out time-wise that even when people around us that we've been called to help come to us and they say, man, there's something in my shoe, or let me rephrase that, there's just something in my spirit that's off, that I say, oh, I'll pray for you, and I keep moving. Stop and listen, lend them your ear. Imagine if God listened to you the way you listen to people. Be that kind of ear. That represents Christ. This whole thing we're talking about, the series about no offense, is how we can posture ourselves to reach those who are offended. And the best way to do that is to act as Christ acted for us. Be a good listener, be swift to hear. Point number two be slow to speak. Slow to speak. So while I was in Africa, I didn't go outside at night because I was afraid I'd be eaten. I'm a good meal, okay? I'm like some lion's dream, okay, guys? Um, but no, really, at a certain time of night, they're like, Mm-mm, don't go outside. And I was like, well, I know, and they're like, it's not funny, don't go outside. And I was like, duly noted, locking the door now. Mm-hmm. There literally are lions. I've got pictures like from here to the front row from a lioness who's just walking around, just out walking around. Those things are huge. They're much bigger than our zoo animals. Well, I decided that while I was there, uh, I was not going to speak as much as I listened because they were saying some pretty important stuff like uh, don't leave food out because it attracts animals. And usually I'm the talker, right? Usually I'm the one that's uh, vomiting at the mouth. Usually I'm the one that does a lot of the talking, right? And uh, on this trip, I was like, no, it's better to listen at this point. I'm going to really pay attention. I'm going to be slow to speak and just kind of see what happens. Well, I praise God for that. Learned a lot about Africa by just not talking. But here's what's great. I had a lot of time locked in my room at night to spend in the Bible because the only thing they had on their TV was South African comedies and wrestling. (laughs) They had the WWE network. I don't know how they get it. No questions asked. But I watched WrestleMania from 1991, WrestleMania 1992, SummerSlam 2022 live. That was great. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't appreciate all the television offerings. So obviously I had to do other things. I read, I studied, I prayed, I did. And while I was praying, I was getting ready for this sermon. I was like, what does this mean to be slow to speak? And so I start looking up different commentaries, and I find this one commentary of a man who looked up every verse in the Bible and found out how many times Christ answered a question. These guys have way more time than I have, but I'll use their data. Uh, Jesus was asked 183 questions. He only gave a direct reply three times. The rest of the time, he either continued to listen, or he rebutted with another question to get them talking. He shows a picture of being slow to speak, being slow to speak. Now of that 183, there were an additional 307 questions that Jesus asked of other people. What am I trying to tell you? That Jesus was a model of being slow to speak. He wanted to hear other people speak, why? Because he was comfortable with himself. He was trying to get to know the other person. What Jesus was posturing is that he was making the other person the focus of his attention, of getting to know them, of getting to hear what they needed from him, of getting to know where they were at in their life to see what the need was so that he could be the God that they needed him to be. It's a beautiful picture. Now if you really wanna see something cool, the three questions he answered were even cooler. One of the questions he answered was when Pontius Pilate said, are you truly the king? And he said, yes, I am the king, right? The next question was, is um, uh, Jesus teach us to pray. And so he taught them to pray. And then the the last one that I saw uh, was um, uh, basically Jesus, uh, which of the commands is the most important? A Pharisee asked Jesus, which of the commandments is most important? And he said, truly I tell you, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, love your neighbor as He kind of made it simple, right? Well, if you put those three answers together, it paints a picture of his whole life. It's really cool. The first answer was, yes, I am the king. The second answer was, I'll teach you to pray. And the third answer was, love me and love people. Put all that together, it says, I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm here to teach you to pray and talk to God. And I will teach you how to love me and love people. Is that cool? The only three questions that Jesus answered gave us that information about him. So it's very cool to be slow to speak, slow to speak. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Do you know somebody just never shuts up? Don't look to your left or to your right. It's not cool. Here's the truth. A lot of times people speak because they're uh, uncomfortable. Be comfortable enough. To be quiet. Be comfortable enough to be a good listener. Be content enough to rest your tongue and open your ears. My dad used to say it like this. He'd say, son, God loves you so much, he gave you two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you speak. Can I tell you, there's been a lot of wisdom that I've learned from that over the years. So we as believers need to be uh, uh, so quick to hear, slow to speak, And lastly, I want to bring this in fast because I want to get you out of here. Um, God's looking for a church that's slow to be angry. Slow to be angry. Um, Anger is an epidemic in our society right now. Everybody's angry about something. Everybody's angry about something. Have you noticed this? Everybody's got a cause. Everybody has an issue Everybody has something that's driving them to anger, and I don't believe that's of God. I believe God desires you to live in peace and joy and all the fruit of the Spirit. I can't find anger in the fruit of the Spirit. I've looked a bunch. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and who rules his spirit better than one who takes a city. That's pretty important stuff. He's saying you have to be slow to be angry. Slow to be angry. So today I want to close with a very practical understanding of anger and how to control your anger. Because I feel like a lot of times we preach and we share the gospel, but then we don't give you any practicality. We don't give you any tools on how to, how to uh, control anger. Anger is a meditation issue. Anger is a meditation issue. Remember David said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. So those two things are connected. The meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth, they're connected. Well, where else does the scripture say something like that? It says, from the heart, the mouth speaketh. So our meditation, our heart, and our mouth, they're all connected. What you think about eventually comes out in your words, right? So, uh, Wendy, can I borrow you for a second? Man, what a good-looking blonde. It's my wife, by the way, yeah. Yeah, okay, so how many of y'all know just because we have pastor on our business card does not mean we have a perfect marriage? We do not have a perfect marriage, <laughs> right? Perfect wife imperfect perfect husband. It's the way that works, right? Okay, so let me show you something. I never truly understood meditation, but I heard an African pastor last week say this, and it shifted my paradigm toward meditation. I want to give this to you. Let's say that the rare occasion I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, so rare, so rare, and let's say that Wendy brings me coffee, she brings it every day, what a good wife, I mean good wife, brings me coffee every day, and let's say she brings me a cup of coffee that is just a little bit off and it's not exactly the way I want it, and what happens is is I decide, because I've had a bad morning, that I'm going to go in there, I'll do it myself. And I go in there, and I take the cup of coffee that she took time to make, and I pour it in the sink. And she goes, what's wrong with your coffee? I said, it was lacking in the sweetness. It's a little off, not sweet enough, so I'm going to make a different cup of coffee, right? So I go over here, and I make another cup of coffee. And now what's happened is I've put in her mind that what she did was not valuable to me. And so I'm just making a cup of coffee, right? A little bit persnickitous, right? Because I'm a little upset, but I'm just trying to be happy when I'm not happy. So I'm banging the spoon a little harder on the cup when I'm stirring, right? I'm putting stuff back a little harder. I'm letting her know without being verbal that I'm a little perturbed my coffee wasn't right. Because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm a grown man after all. I should be able to complain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm over here making my coffee, right? Well I drink my coffee. Now every drink of my coffee that I'm looking at her, she sees that my coffee was more precious to me than the time that she invested in our marriage to make me the cup of coffee. And so here's what's happening. Our meditation is set in the wrong direction because of something small. Now I say, bye, baby. And I give her this fake thing. Bye. <laughs> bye. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Take the coffee I made and I'm out the door. I get in the truck and I start driving and I'm thinking... She knows how I like my coffee. I've had the same amount of sugar in my coffee for 18 years. Nothing has changed. And I'm thinking, what is going on? she She wasn't thinking about me. That's what it was. She wasn't focused on her man this morning. Something is in her mind that should not be in her mind. What is it, I wonder? And the devil goes, I know what it is. It's one of a million things that make you less important. And so I go, what? And now my meditation is I don't even want the coffee. Mm, that coffee reminds me of the crap cup of coffee I had this morning. Mm, and I start getting yeah, mm, just all my spirit gets upset. And now my meditation is starting to take control of my thoughts. And so now I'm meditating on a negativity in my home. And so everybody's laughing because you think it's something small, but here's what's strange is by the end of the day the enemy has taken that small cup of coffee that needed just a touch more sugar and turned it in. Your wife doesn't care. And so now my meditation has impregnated me with anger. I'm driving back home. You're going to make my coffee? You're going to make my coffee. Right. Right. I'm driving home. How dare she? How dare she? She knows I like my coffee. What was she? Who was she thinking about when she made this cup of coffee? Who was she? This ain't daddy's coffee. Whose coffee is this? <laughs> this is jacked up. So I'm driving home the whole time. Driving home the whole time. Going toward a blessing that God gave me, mind you. Pregnant, meditating on anger, driving home. I come in the house, and what happens? I give birth to my anger. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I I was thinking about that cup of She goes, how's your day? It's been pretty rough. I got about a third of the caffeine I needed to start my day first. And it just got worse from there. All my appointments were horrible. Seems like the devil just reminded me of everything you have done all day long. And now I have meditated myself into a real situation that's negative. Let me give you another scenario. Let's say I get up in the morning and the coffee's wrong. Minor thing. And I say, babe, I want you to know, I appreciate the coffee. I know you have to get up earlier than everybody in this house. I know you don't have it as hard as I have it in the morning because you only have to get like five people ready and I have to get my whole self ready. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to thank you for the time you put in that coffee. It means a lot to me that you think about me in the mornings. Thank you for that right? Give her a kiss, I drive out. And now while I'm out driving, I think, man, she didn't have to get up and make that cup of coffee this morning. Boy, she did. It may not have been the best cup of coffee, but you know what? I got the best wife. Because she took her time today. And you know what? Instead of focusing on it, may need a little more sugar. You know what? I wouldn't kill me to drop a couple pounds. Maybe a half a thing of sugar ain't the worst thing for me in the first place, right? And so now I'm driving and my meditation is impregnating me with gratitude instead of anger. And so my meditation begins to dictate the process of my day. So then I go to a counseling appointment and between counseling appointments, I'm like, man, I got a great wife. I see the cup of coffee now that it's empty. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to stop and went home and get her coffee. Or maybe something hits in my spirit to where I say, you know what? I'm just going to text her, you know, after the kids go to bed tonight, look out. Hashtag big papa coming in for a landing. (laughs) And, And here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Is now even something that was negative because I control my meditation is feeding something in a positive way. Now here's even a better scenario. Let's say we start our day like this. We start our day Lord, I pray you'd bless my wife. I pray, Lord, you'd be her all in all today. Father, I just thank you that what you have called us to at Hope City Community Church, Lord, that you take us a step further toward that today. Lord, would you be what she needs you to be? Keep her strong and healthy today and bless her. Use her to make an impact in our city today. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, here's a little bit of scripture. Let's look at this together. And the scripture I'm looking at is, uh, let's see, Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom, therefore, that Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and don't be enslaved again in the bondage of sin, right? And now we're both meditating on it, so now I'm driving to work. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. I'm free. I'm free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand fast. Stand fast. Stand strong. Stand strong in the knowledge that you're free. Stand strong that you don't have to be addicted to sin anymore. Stand strong that God has given you freedom because he loves you. And now my meditation is on God's word. So that way when we come back together, we have something to share that's positive. But see, your meditation impregnates you and you wonder why you're full of anger all the time. It's because your meditation is filling you to overflowing. I taught Nora at dinner table last night, the song. Be careful, little lies, what you see, right? The reason why I taught her that is because I don't want her meditating on negative things. I don't want any of you meditating on negative things. And here's why. Because if you meditate on it long enough, it becomes a reality to you. and Your meditation dictates the way you feel about certain things and certain people. And for you to be the soul winner God's called you to be, you've gotta be postured correctly toward each person. So instead of being angry about issues, you've gotta be postured to receive people. And an angry person doesn't receive people, it's ready to fight issues. You will never win a soul fighting issues. Thank you, sweetheart, I appreciate your help. You will never win a soul arguing over issues. If you hear anything I say today, you hear this, people trump issues. People are bigger than issues. Jesus did not die for a political party. He died for people. So why is it that we are always postured in anger toward people? Could it be that we have simply slipped into the process of offense, which I believe is one of the greatest weapons against the church today? So how do we beat it? Number one, we dictate on what we meditate. We control our thoughts. We control our thoughts. Number two, even if something goes bad, we meditate on something positive. My dad says it like this. his son, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure keep him from building a nest. Sometimes bad thoughts just happen. Sometimes bad things just happen but you can keep yourself from perseverating on it you can keep yourself from maintaining on it and just thinking on it just building on it the last thing i'll tell you is this when you feel yourself building in anger change your environment change your thinking it's a change of a change of place and a change of pace right sometimes you have to stop watching what you're watching sometimes you have to stop being around who you're being around What God has called us to do requires us to be slow to speak, slow to get angry, and quick to listen. How can we listen to people when we're so angry at them? I don't believe it's our job to be angry at people. It's our job to be angry at the devil. And what he's called us to do is have enough wisdom to discern that it's not the people, it's the devil. One of the wisest things I ever heard is this don't ever put a face to an offense. There's only one person who offends a believer, that's the devil. Everybody else is a puppet, right? Love people, love the Word, and watch what God will do in your life. I believe you have the power to live unoffendable. I just believe you can do it because the Word of God gives you that strength to do it. Do you believe that today? If you believe it, stand up on your feet. I wanna pray over you. For more information about Hope City Community Church, visit www.hopecitycc.com. Until next time.